0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work.
1: We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to
0: customers around the world learn more at microsoft.com slash teams they're gonna kill the love of my life if i don't go back to what i was doing this friday our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless how far would you go for love you steal truck bring it to me then you make your money is it dangerous
1: of course, it's
0: dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13.
1: Welcome to the Rotowire Daily Fantasy Podcast. Week seven in the NFL fast approaching. Nick Whalen here, joined as I always am on Fridays by Rotowire Zone Chris Benzine. Chris, big NFL slate this weekend, although we do have uh, some undefeated teams, three undefeated teams on by. So a lot of fantasy relevant players will be resting this weekend. The buys this week, we'll get them out of the way right away. Chicago, Cincinnati, Denver, and Green Bay. Uh, We're going to do what we always do, and we're going to go position by position. We're going to look at DraftKings values. We're going to talk about guys we like, guys we don't like, maybe some guys who stick out uh, as far as value plays and and we'll just we'll just go from there we we'll go position by position like i said first um anything going on this weekend anything big we'll kind of ease into into this weekend podcast i really don't have anything going on i've been traveling the last couple weekends i'm very much looking forward to to staying put in madison and just having a low-key weekend but i understand you have a, a home brewing festival to go to
2: yeah it's not, it's not exactly a home brewing festival but it's a uh, my dad's side of the family has uh a competition yearly called Bucky's Brewfest and we're going to have the family over i believe like five or six people there'll be five or six beers in kegs that are of all the same all the same type of beer uh i can't remember exactly which type it is this year but uh they're and they just judge each other and the winner takes home the winner takes home the trophy and gets to host the following year. They each make All a right. trophy for it and stuff. It's
1: so pretty intense. I know you're not a big beer guy yourself, which is kind of a sin being from Wisconsin. I'm not a big cheese guy, so I've gotten, you know, the same kind of treatment that you probably have, but your whole family's really into this?
2: Yeah. Uh, family's into it. They're actually gonna start up a a brew, uh, a brewery, a microbrewery. Oh wow. And yeah, so they're pretty big into beer, big so beer. Somehow uh, Somehow I missed the boat on that. I
1: don't know. Yeah, maybe someday you'll come around. Um, we'll get into it right away then. Week seven in the NFL uh, began on Thursday night. Uh, we'll, we obviously won't be covering that game as the Seattle Seahawks dispatched the San Francisco 49ers with relative ease. I think some people maybe got suckered into thinking that was going to be a closer game than it was. Uh, I was one of those people. I was kind of flip flopping in my pick 'em leagues this week, thought about going with San Francisco. Uh, definitely made the right choice ended up going with seattle thankfully but uh yeah i think san francisco got that win over baltimore i think people maybe put a a little bit too much stock into that maybe baltimore's really just a one-win team i think that's what they are at this point seattle obviously fell at home to carolina but maybe that carolina team's better than people think so looks like seattle finally starting to right the ship a little bit but we'll see if that's consistent we're going to stick obviously with sunday's games one game that is not included in contest this weekend, at least on DraftKings, is that Jaguars-Bills matchup in London. That's a 9.30 start Eastern time. Uh, I'm not sure what, what that exactly equates to uh, across the pond. I think it's about mid-afternoon for them, but those that game will not be included, so unfortunately, Chris, you won't be able to use Blake Bortles as, as your quarterback on, on DraftKings this week.
2: Yeah, I was definitely looking forward to doing that this <laughs> week, I mean that Bill's defense has been giving up tons of points to especially
1: Blake Bortles. And
2: I don't know, might've been tough for him to, to well, (laughs) he's been been
1: good from a fantasy perspective, from a wins perspective, not so much, but he has been one of the the top 10 producers uh, getting a lot of yardage, obviously a lot of attempts, but plenty of interceptions to go with those attempts. We'll start with the top price guy this week. No Aaron Rodgers, Like we said, no Andy Dalton. That means Tom Brady, is the runaway top price guy this week. He's at 8,500 on DraftKings. Andrew Luck, number two at 7,600, so quite a difference there. Tom Brady goes up against a very good Jets defense. Are you going to be looking to target him or maybe spend a little less at the quarterback position this weekend?
2: I mean, Tom Brady is Tom Brady, so I would, wouldn't be surprised if he did well. It's definitely a chancy pick there. It's in New England, so that's always a good thing. Being at home generally is a benefit for whoever you're looking for uh, in daily but uh, i mean the jets defense has been very stiff against the pass this season so it might be it'll be an interesting game but uh considering he's the most like the most highly priced quarterback this week and rightfully so considering how he's been this year uh the jets really haven't given up much in terms of passing yards i mean they haven't given up 200 even 200 yards in any of the last 3 weeks that they're that they've played the last three games that they've played so I might stick away from Brady just at least for this week because of the the price there and the fact that they're who he's facing with the jets defense
1: right and I think this is maybe the toughest test that New England will face thus far. Uh, they've really kind of looked unbeatable I guess that offense especially has just been humming. Uh, through the first few weeks of the season, but we'll see as they go up against, like we said, a very good Jets defense. Andrew Luck, as we said, the number two price quarterback. Are you willing to trust him again now? He was pretty shaky those first few weeks of the season. Had a great week against New England last week. Obviously the Colts fell, but from a fantasy perspective he got over three hundred yards, three touchdowns, no picks, and then was able to rush for a season high thirty five yards as well. Is Andrew Luck back?
2: And I don't think Andrew Luck is necessarily gone. Obviously he, he did have a bad start to the season, but he's he's still there's a reason he was number one pick overall everyone was comparing him to to being like one of the best quarterbacks coming out of the draft in a long time he's he's a good quarterback and he had some shoulder issues and it seems like that's out of the way now so hope I mean hopefully it continues on I think it could and like you said he's facing a a pretty bad Saints defense this week so he could have another chance to have another good week this week
1: right I think that that matchup is very very favorable for the Colts as they try to get back on track Carson Palmer is at sixty seven hundred. I, I have written here. Uh, I wanted to ask you if it's going to be a bounce back week for him, but I don't think that's really the right term, considering he pretty much had his best day yardage wise. Even though the Cardinals lost at Pittsburgh, he did throw two picks. That was a big reason for the loss. But four hundred twenty one yards on forty five attempts, got in the end zone once. Obviously, not a guy who's going to give you much from a rushing perspective. So that's a little bit of a downfall. Um, you know, one of the most immobile quarterback quarterbacks, excuse me, in the NFL. But I said, at 6,700, going against a one-win Raven team at home on a Monday night, I think you know, the one loss that Arizona had earlier this season, they hosted St. Louis in Week 4, uh, fell on that one 22-24, a big letdown after starting 3-0. and They come back and just you know annihilate the Lions, 42-17. Palmer only att- attempted 14 passes in that game, had three touchdowns. I'm expecting a similar bounce back as they go up against a bad Ravens team to kind of take out those frustrations of, of losing to the combination of Mike Vick and Landry Jones.
2: Yeah, I could definitely see that. The question is, like, if they do end up getting to a big lead, just like the 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 Lions Detroit. game, you said, they it, the question is how long is he going to even stay in there? How many passes, like you said, fourteen attempts? They might not have to throw the ball much, but obviously, when he does, it it could be effective. I mean, this Baltimore team has not done much at all this season. They they don't have much going on offense, which could mean a lot, a lot of time on the for their defense being on the field. Right. So, yeah, I mean. He's definitely got a lot of weapons to throw to.
1: So. Yeah, I'm not so worried necessarily about the Cardinals getting a big enough lead to the point where they're just trying to run out the clock. I think, you know, as the game gets later on, maybe that is somewhat of a concern. You're losing a little bit of value there, I guess. But for them to get to the point where they're going to run out the clock or even pull Carson Palmer in favor of Drew Stanton, Carson Palmer's probably going to throw three or four touchdowns for that to happen. So... Yeah, that's not really a huge concern for me. And I don't know if this Ravens team is quite so bad as that Detroit team. So I think they'll be able to keep it close enough where that might not be an issue. But I really, really like Arizona this week at home on Monday Night Football. Yeah. Two backup quarterbacks. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah,
2: just one thing. And yeah, and Bruce Arians hasn't been afraid to let the first team offense no. run up the score either. So there are times all. where... Palmer has stayed in the game even when they are ahead by a d- decent size margin
1: right three games already this season of at least 42 points for that offense 31 points in week one against New Orleans as well two backup quarterbacks one I guess technically a third string quarterback that's Matt Castle he's priced at 5,000 Zach Mettenberger also at that minimum price for Tennessee he's going to get the start ahead of Marcus Mariota who's going to be held out with that MCL sprain do you really like either of these guys uh you know as kind of I don't want to say punt plays at the quarterback position, but minimum value plays for sure. Matt Castle is at the Giants. Mettenberger and the Titans play host to Atlanta. I mean, yeah, both of them both of them
2: could be decent play. I don't I don't really like the offense as much that they have going there. So I mean neither of them are gonna probably light it up, but again, you're paying minimum price there. Another guy you got at the, around that price, Landry Jones, he's at $5,100. That's another third-string type quarterback, and he at least has some decent weapons there in Pittsburgh with like Martavis, Brian, Antonio Brown, and Heath Miller and stuff and whatnot. But, yeah, I mean, from what I'm seeing here, it also looks like Tennessee, there could be some a chance for rain there, and that also can affect passing game somewhat. And it just, yeah, there's nothing really that sticks out, especially for like Castle. Who, who knows the first week there, I mean, Dallas does have some okay weapons but again they're without Des Bryant and so I mean there's nothing there's no overwhelming uh offensive weapons that I see from either of those two teams and I'd probably like maybe even Landry Jones he was pretty decent last week filling in for Vic later in the game I'd probably would go with him over either of those two
1: yeah that, that's very fair um you know do you really believe I wouldn't say there's Landry Jones hype I think that sounds absolutely ridiculous at this point but yeah, my 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 question that I posed earlier in the week to DVR is if Mike Vick was healthy and and didn't have that tear in his hamstring, do you think they would still go with Landry Jones this week? He did look very good against um against Arizona last week, 8 of 12, 168 yards, two touchdowns, like we said, but so many of those yards came on that 88-yard uh Martavis, Bryant kind of catch and run where, you know, Bryant did 90% of the work there. You take that away, um you know maybe that line doesn't look quite so good but still from when it, you know if we're looking at this from a fantasy perspective all yardage counts and uh, it really doesn't matter how they get it do you think they would stick with Landry Jones if Vic was healthy
2: I mean I guess it probably would go down go down to like how they perform in practice and stuff They they get to see him on a daily basis in practice and they the coaches are a better judge of like from the outside we can see what we see in game time pretty much and we see what the practice reports and whatnot, but the coaches are there seeing it on a daily basis and they would be able to make the call on that I wouldn't be surprised yeah just given the veteran status of Vic they might give him the edge over Landry Jones but Landry Jones certainly made his case last week with his performance
1: right not a guy with a lot of experience I mean those were his first 12 passes at the NFL level but a four-year starter at Oklahoma um, so it comes in at least with some confidence you know, a guy who has plenty of experience at the collegiate level give me a couple quarterbacks that you're avoiding this week yeah, one of them
2: is Alex Smith that I would like to avoid. I mean, they're going to be – they're without Jamal Charles. Macklin's expected to play, but he's coming off a concussion there. So, I mean, the game is at home. They're facing a Steelers defense. that has allowed 414 yards passing last week. But uh, they were facing, like we mentioned, the Cardinals, Carson Palmer, and it was a team that was down the whole game. The Steelers were actually ahead a lot in that game. So it's just uh, – the, the, the Chiefs really don't have a ton of weapons offensively they have I mean they have Macklin and Kelsey and that's pretty much it and and uh with Macklin I mean Alex Smith doesn't like to throw the ball down the field and that doesn't lead to a lot of big passing games a lot of long touchdowns and I think they only have like a couple receiving receiver touchdowns again this year and they only had they had none all of last year it's just he's not a great fantasy quarterback to go with even at the price he's at 5100 and I I would probably go with Landry Jones is at the same price over him if uh assuming I mean Landry Jones is probably just looking
1: at Landry Jones's weapons I mean I think that's what really decides it like yeah obviously Alex Smith is a better quarterback and a more proven quarterback than Landry Jones but when his only real weapon is a banged up Jeremy Macklin who's coming off a concussion he's considered probable as we record Friday afternoon you know Charkhandrick West really hasn't turned out to be much in, in the last week and a half. Neither has Niall Davis. I, I think this Chiefs team is just going to keep continuing to free fall. And, it, you know, they were a team I, I think I had sadly went on the record somewhere. I don't know if it was on a podcast here or elsewhere and said that. I thought they were going to unseat Denver uh, as the leader in that division. But that's looking uh, the opposite of, of how I thought it would be, I guess, so far. And this Chiefs offense is a mess. This Chiefs defense is a mess. And they, they've just gone completely in the wrong direction. What about Eli Manning this week?
2: Yeah, Eli Manning is another guy. They have a lot of injuries at the receiver position right now. A lot of guys questionable. Hamstrings especially seems to be hamstring season. Yeah. Around there, it seems to be a, a huge issue right now. I mean, he showed a, and he kind of showed the result of that lack of like having receivers healthy last week when he he threw a, only one touchdown and two picks against the Eagles defense. He got sacked at ton. Right. And that
1: touchdown came on the first drive. I mean yeah. New York really wasn't able to move the ball after that. Philadelphia scored 27 unanswered. Yeah, and they're coming off a short week, too. Against They played Monday night against the Eagles, so they're going to have a short
2: week compared to their opponents. So uh, it, I just think all the factors there it just
1: doesn't bode well for them, I guess, this week. All right, let's move on to the running back position. One guy I want to talk about, Latavius Murray. He's priced at 6400 I feel like that's a pretty decent bargain for him this weekend as they come off that bye week. Do you agree?
2: Yeah, he's definitely a, a good running back, and they're facing a Chargers defense that's – Really struggled against the run this year, so I mean the 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 Raiders there they just been um, they do have Derek Carr but and they do have Amari Cooper but there's not really a ton of weapons in the passing game other other than those two but uh, the. But having Latavius Murray back there is a great option. He can not only run the ball; he's pretty effective running the ball, but he can also catch the ball of the backfield. And when you're playing in a like, we're, as we mentioned, we're using DraftKings this week for most of the um, values and everything. And uh, and he's a guy in this in DraftKings they have a point per reception. He's a guy that can also catch the ball of the backfield. So he's a guy that can help in multiple ways and definitely put up a decent stat line.
1: Right. He had his one big week. Uh, week three at Cleveland 139 rushing yards and a touchdown uh, only one catch in that game but other than that he's had at least three receptions so a guy who has somewhat of a high floor you know maybe he's not going to get to 100 yards most weeks but he's going to catch a few passes and at least keep you from you know getting close to a goose egg there in that category what about Chris Ivory best running back in the league um, you know on a per game yardage basis obviously that debate is going to wage at any at any rate but he's priced down at 5800 uh you know considerably low for his production i think that's just kind of a product of going up against that really good new england defense
2: yeah that's a guy that i'm actually looking to somewhat avoid this week because he has a similar he has a similar stat line to Todd Gurley who i'm going to mention later but over the past couple of weeks but uh that game is in new england i could see them falling behind cuz new england's offense despite the fact that they're facing the jets they just seem to be able to put up points regardless of the opponent they're facing and uh, he's only had six catches so far in four games, and they generally um, use other guys as change of pace backs. I mean, he'll still get his fair share of touches in that game, but I just uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you see uh, – Bilal Powell is out, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see some Zach Stacy coming this week in the passing game. In general, they might have to rely a little bit more on the pass if they have to keep up with the Patriots, and that would limit the effectiveness of Chris Ivory out of the backfield.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. Like Garrett Blunt, he's at 4,800, Deion Lewis, 6,500. These guys have kind of different roles in this Patriots backfield, but splitting a lot of carries. Which of them do you like based on their value this week? I think that if, I mean,
2: that game, again, is in New England. I think that the, the Patriots might be able to get ahead, and if that's the case, they might try to just pound the rock. I mean, the Jets' defense has been pretty good against the pass, so they've been a little more vulnerable, I think, to the run there. So I think if you're gonna go with somebody, I mean either both of them, their defense has been good in general. It just overall it's been good. So it's it's a tough one to go with. I mean Deion Lewis does give you a little bit better of because he has the pass catching ability, obviously that Legarrette Blunt doesn't really do. So, but uh, if they get ahead, they might just try to pound the rock and melt the clock away in that game. So uh, I could see Legarrette Blunt at that price probably a little better option, especially considering. He seems to have taken on a little bit more of a workload. I mean, he he at beginning a couple of weeks he didn't done a ton, but he seems to have been coming into his own a little bit recently. And his per carry average the last two games has been around five and a
1: half, a little over five and a half yards per carry, which is pretty uh, effective. Right, and like you touched on, these guys both bring different elements to this offense and Deion Lewis has the upside of being able to catch passes and rack up PPR points like Blunt has the advantage of if this game you know gets out of control or even if New England really is in control at any point they might go into clock killing mode and like Blunt is the ideal back to do that they get near the goal line he's the ideal back for that so it's just so hard to choose between each of them uh each week you know if, if you have them both and you're able to handcuff them that's great but can't always do that in daily games Danny Woodhead 4,600 he's priced ahead of Melvin Gordon he's at 4,200 Gordon we saw get benched against Green Bay last week a couple fumbles are those issues going to end up costing him uh, you know his percentage of the workload
2: I'm not sure yeah I'm not 100% certain on if he was benched because of that or he's also dealing with some kind of ankle injury as well I think so there's it could be either it's probably a, a combination of the two that led to his benching in that game but um I think he'll still get carries, but Woodhead seems to be the better of the two backs, Like, and especially in Daly when you're... He, he, he's the one that catches passes out of the backfield a lot. He he caught five passes each both the last two games for 60 yards. I mean, he's been more of a receiver than a runner, but they, in general, they haven't been able to rush the ball very well, and they've had to rely more on the pass game. And if that's the case, again, against Oakland, that they just... Because Phillip Rivers threw 65 passes last week. If they have to... Again, they, I wouldn't be surprised if they continue using that. And Woodhead's a little better in the passing, or probably a fair amount better in the passing game than Melvin Gordon is.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, a couple more backs that I want to talk about. Jonathan Stewart, he's priced at $4,000. Uh, obviously a guy who's really not in much of a timeshare in Carolina, so I think that's a very reasonable price. However, he's going up against a very good Philadelphia run defense defense. Stewart coming off of a game against seattle seventy eight yards and two touchdowns so very productive against another uh, good defense out of the NFC first of all, do you buy this Carolina team as a legitimate um, you know i I guess we could say Super Bowl contender at this point given the other teams that are undefeated and given that big win over Seattle they're five and oh are they a legitimate Super Bowl contender to you
2: i mean it's it's definitely you'd think it'd be impressive it is pretty it is still impressive to go into Seattle and win um I, I just I still
1: don't know if I can buy into them enough yet because it's just... They're, they're a tier below New England, Green Bay, uh, and, and I think those two are on their own the tier, maybe. maybe the, up I think people are starting to buy into the Bengals, and rightfully so. Uh, Denver, that That's, defense is so, so good, but can the offense you know do enough when it comes down to it? I don't know. Um, And then even I almost think a lot of people would still take Atlanta in that division in the NFC South. Obviously, they have that one loss, a bad loss against New Orleans last week. But it's going to be interesting. This division looked like it was going to be you know, maybe a four-team race at the beginning of the year, given all the problems that Atlanta had on D last year. All of a sudden, they jump out to a fast start. Carolina, obviously, like we said, is undefeated. And it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out because the NFC South – um, you know the schedule, the way that it works out this year is very favorable for both Carolina and Atlanta. And it, you know it could be a division that ends up sneaking two teams into the playoffs. The last running back we want to talk about, uh, I know you wanted to, to speak a little bit about Todd Gurley, who we talked about a little bit in conjunction with Chris Ivory, but we can expound a little bit on his matchup. Gurley's priced at five thousand this weekend.
2: Yeah, um, I I hate to mention, it, or I hate to admit it, but Todd Gurley has been in, in extremely, impress, extremely impressive so far. I mean, I was a big Badger guy, obviously. Was rooting for Melvin Gordon to be a big guy out of a, as a rookie here, but um, we have a guy here in the office who's a Georgia fan, and I'll have to admit that Gurley has definitely been the better of the two so far this year. I mean, in each of the last two games, he's rushed for over 145 yards. He's he's been, and his workload has increased accordingly. He's I mean, he had 30 carries against the Packers the last time they faced him. Their passing game has been relatively ineffective. Haven't done much there, so I could see them again relying more on the run because he's with the, with with the weapon they have there. They might be. I mean, why wouldn't you want to rush the ball there? It's like having. I mean, I don't want to compare him to Adrian Peterson back in the day, but like, it's like it's. <laughs> Are having you comparing a, him to Adrian Peterson I'm, I'm back not, in the day? No, I'm not comparing him to at the, at this point to Adrian Peterson, but he has been very. You can see he's been very good the last few times, and he there's a reason he was taken in the top ten tenth I believe overall this year. In in the draft where running backs have been devalued recently, and uh, he's coming off an ACL injury, still taking tenth overall. So I mean he's he's really good. He's a guy that I could see. He hasn't even reached the end zone. I don't think the last couple of weeks he hasn't he hasn't uh, scored a touchdown. But some big he, yardage totals. Though. Yeah, he's had some huge yardage totals, and if he gets into that end zone. He could even add a boost there, and I could see that happening. This could be the week that he actually does reach the end, reach pay dirt, and, and can put up another big rushing total again this right. weekend. That's a good price at 5000 going against the Cleveland defense that hasn't been that great against the run.
1: No, a bit of a liability, and that's, that's one of those games you look at this weekend and think, I have no idea how this is going to turn out. You know, Cleveland's been as anemic as any team, St. Louis the same way, a couple Big wins for them, a couple bad losses for them. I really don't know. I'm very interested to see how that game turns out. Let's turn now to the wide receiver position. Julio Jones started out you know, as hot as any receiver really has that I can remember in recent memory. He's still priced now top receiver this week up at 9,100. They're at Tennessee. I like that matchup a lot. Doesn't look like that Tennessee offense is going to be moving the ball a ton with Zach Mettenberger under center. So a lot of opportunities in theory for the Atlanta offense. But three straight weeks now that Julio Jones has been held under 100 yards and without a touchdown that hamstring was bothering him, we know. But he's kind of been dealing with that through the first few weeks of the season too, and it didn't seem to hamper his production. Do you think he gets back on track this week and justifies that high price tag? Yeah, I mean... Uh...
2: Julio Jones has definitely struggled a little bit recently but he's seems to be he's not on in the injury report anymore so he seems to be pretty healthy and the Titans defense while they have been pretty decent this year uh, against the pass I mean they Matt Ryan and that team I mean I think Julio Jones should be a bigger portion of the offense again this week I mean they considering he hasn't been the last couple weeks and they finally lost their game maybe they'll finally realize that they need to get him more involved again and the titans offense as you mentioned has well, could have some issues staying on the field because uh Mariota's out for this week so i could definitely see julio jones putting up bigger numbers again this week to justify the price tag i i still think that could be i mean it's it's tough well, what Is does he have to 100?
1: do that's such a high price what like what kind of production you know not an exact number but you know does he have to get you know 150 plus yards and a couple scores to justify that
2: i mean yeah like I guess that's pretty much what you're asking for. I mean, you look at DeAndre Hopkins; he's 8,600. He's had 150 yards a week each of the last three weeks, and and a ton of catches. That's the thing is you got to he has to have a lot of receptions, especially in a PPR format. And Julio Jones, the last four had or last three games is had four, five, and six. That won't cut it at that price, definitely. So you need probably double digit receptions around there, and he did have that early on. So I could I could see them going into like a, a more pass heavy attack again or at least using him early on and and I think that he it's tough to see if he'd be worth the price tag I don't know if I'd want to pay 9100 for him yet I'd probably want to see him actually produce again and it is nice to see that he's finally off the injury report but I I don't know if I would be willing to pay up that full price tag especially when you have a DeAndre Hopkins at 8600 500 less and who's been proven to do so well recently But then again, that's the chance in in daily, taking a guy sometimes that is a risky play. That's what you want to do. So, I mean, I could see him having a big, big week. So he's a guy that might be worth taking a chance on in some tournament plays. But he's not a guy I might go with in a cash game.
1: Yeah, he's a little bit chancy, just because you know he's going to break out again at some point. You know, he's going to have probably five or six big more uh, more big games the rest of the season, and you know you don't want to miss out on that. But at the same time, like you said, with three straight games without a touchdown and three straight games under 100 yards, you kind of wonder if that's going to continue or if he's going to snap back uh, to being the old Julio that we saw. And it's just kind of all about timing, and that's where the the luck of all this stuff comes in. Antonio Brown he remains priced at an elite level. He's at 7900. He's had fewer than 10 targets each of the last three games, uh, five receptions or fewer each of the last three games, and some pretty low yardage totals, extremely low by Antonio Brown standards, 42 yards against Baltimore, 45 against Cincinnati, and just 24 in that win against Arizona last week. Is he worth the risk without Big Ben? Uh, do you really trust Landry Jones to, to you know, keep Antonio Brown's value around that 8,000 level, or are you staying away from him until Big Ben is back uh, under center for this offense? I'd probably stay away from him for the time being, although I
2: probably like his him having Landry Jones in our center a little more than Vic because Vic seemed to – he just wasn't really doing much in the passing game. I don't think he had uh, – I'm trying to remember here. I'm not 100% sure, but I don't think Vic had over 200 and – hasn't had, yeah, 203 yards was his top total passing in the the, the couple games that he played. So I just he's not a guy that's gonna rack up passing yards generally. He's a guy that likes to rely on his feet, move around. He does run the ball more than that. And then Landry Jones is not gonna do that. He's gonna be a guy that passes. But uh, I still at that price tag, there's some other options probably around the same price that's a little more worth the the money than than what uh Antonio Brown.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Martavis Bryant was kind of the big jackpot guy for Pittsburgh last week. A couple of touchdowns, including that long one that we mentioned. Stephon Diggs. 4,200. He's been a hot name, a waiver wire, a fab guy. This week, he's only played in two games for Minnesota, but seven catches, 129 yards last week. Six catches, 87 yards the week before. Hasn't gotten into the end zone. Pretty low touchdown potential with Teddy Bridgewater at the quarterback position there. But they're going up against a pretty bad Lions defense that allowed a ton of points against Chicago last week. We know Minnesota is better than Chicago. Is this the week that Diggs finally gets into the end zone and you know really kind of emerges onto the national fantasy radar? I could see it happening, and even if he doesn't, at 40s, 200, the fact that he's
2: been he's had six and seven catches and had like 8,729 yards in the last couple of weeks, that's still pretty good production at that price. And he's like you said, he's facing a defense that's been pretty bad in the Lions, so he's definitely a guy that seems to be emerging in that Vikings offense, and, and I could see him having a big week, and he could get into the end zone, but even if he doesn't, he seems like a guy that still could put up enough production to justify the price tag at 4200
1: Brandon Marshall, he's priced at 7800 so he's another guy that's right around that same price as Antonio Brown, $100 less than Brown, maybe an alternative there if you don't trust Landry Jones. He's coming off his fourth straight 100-plus yard game. He has TDs in four of his five games a season, at least nine targets in every game. He pretty much meets every benchmark that you look for you know, when you're targeting a receiver for consistency. I mean, Is he among the safest picks at that value? He's definitely a
2: guy that I mean, just his size alone gives him an advantage as a receiver, and uh, I mean, despite having uh Geno's, not Geno Smith, sorry, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick under center, is it's EJ Manuel that was getting the start last week? I was I always get those two guys mixed up, but yes, EJ Manuel, EJ Manuel for the Bills, right? Uh, just he got the start. Oh, last you get week. him
1: and Geno mixed up? Yeah, I yes, me get too. They two they, they do look up. very similar.
2: So yeah, but. uh yeah, Geno Smith's still out with that uh, preseason issue, um, but yeah. We won't so get f- into even with, even, with his, even with Fitzpatrick Patrick under center, he's actually been pretty decent for the most part. He hasn't been great, but I mean, he's been serviceable as a starting quarterback, and a guy that can get the ball to the receivers. I mean, he threw the ball 58 times against the Eagles in Week 3. They don't, um, I mean, and like you said, like I was mentioned before, they could be behind New England. It's in New England. They might have to pass the ball, and Uh, Brandon Marshall is probably the top target there, and he's a guy I could see again going over 100 yards. He's a lot, probably definitely a lot safer than uh
1: Antonio Brown having uh Landry Jones under center this week. All right, so I know you like Willie Sneed this week, he's priced down at 4,300. Uh, you know, so somewhat close to minimum value, I guess. Probably the lowest value you're going to get uh you know for a guy that that's seen a lot of targets a guy who's pretty much the number two guy in new orleans with marcus colston banged up and you know not really very effective when he has been in the lineup hasn't reached the end zone yet but is this going to be the week against the colts d that's just kind of a floodgate against the pass yeah i mean
2: the colts defense is allowing nearly 300 yards per game passing and that's that's pretty atrocious there and and definitely i mean drew Brees. Still a decent quarterback back there, and there's a lot worse options you could have back there at quarterback, and he's managed to have a pretty decent amount of targets per week and and receptions per week. He's putting up decent totals. I mean, he did have a little down week against Atlanta last week, but uh, I could definitely see him with the Colts offense, that that game being in a dome there. They might need to keep up with the Colts. I think the Colts won't have – I think both sides of the offense here are probably a little better than the defenses on each side. So, I could see this game being a little more of a shootout. And if that's the case, then uh, you might see Willie Sneed. I mean, he hasn't, like you said, he hasn't reached the end zone, but uh, this could be the week that that happens. And if he does, i pay even extra dividends, especially at that $4,300 $4, price tag.
1: All right. And I know one guy you're looking to avoid this weekend is Jordan Matthews. He, he got off to such a strong start. Ton of targets. You know, that, that Eagles offense really wasn't looking great, but he was kind of looking uh, great as an individual player. Now the offense is starting to pick up a little bit, but he's reached the end zone just once, hasn't topped 60 yards, nor has he topped six grabs since week two. He's going up against a good Panthers defense, uh defense that has done well uh, as far as takeaways. Sam Bradford, we know, is very giveaway prone. How do you like this matchup?
2: Yeah, I, I don't really like it at all because uh, I, I just. He is mainly you would think the main target in that offense. He's the main receiving guy. They have him and maybe Zach Ertz, but after that, it's a bit of a drop off, and uh, I it it's just not enough there. And Brett, with the way Bradford's been playing and their whole offense in general, it seems like despite Chip Kelly's best efforts at getting that offensive pace, high scoring, the the Eagles just doesn't ha- the Eagles just don't have it this year, and I don't. Um, I I just the the Panthers defense has been extremely good against the rush there or against the pass and they're and they're healthy right now they have all most of all their weapons healthy Luke Kuechly's back now that's going to be huge but he's just having the general I think that's big I think it's big
1: I mean we don't like to talk necessarily too much about inside linebackers on on the DFS pod but you know for as far as a guy who's the emotional leader, the vocal leader of that defense, just from an organizational standpoint, I think, you know, they played well without him, but it certainly can't hurt to get a guy like that back, you know, arguably a top three or four linebacker in the league. Um, how do you see this game shaking out? This is one, um, you know, I'll reference my, my pick league again, try to poach some knowledge out of you. I got, I think I'm going to pick uh, Philadelphia as an upset this week and I don't really have a good reason for it. I, I liked, I got I liked how they looked defensively against A decent Giants offense that really wasn't able to get anything going after that first drive I still don't quite trust the Panthers I like Cam Newton a lot as a rusher but he does a lot of his work inside the tackles you know designed run type of plays he's not exactly a huge scrambling liability who do you like in this matchup just from a win-loss perspective
2: I think I'd still go with the Panthers in this matchup just because I mean the games at home Sam Bradford hasn't really proven to be the quarterback that they'd hoped to be, they hoped he'd be when he joined. I mean, they traded him for Nick Foles and they were hoping that he would be the guy to lead their offense this year. And from what I've seen, it's been a relatively decent sized drop off so far. There hasn't I mean he's been nearly not nearly as effective as Nick Foles was last year. And uh I just I mean, while I it, there's definitely questions about that Carolina offense, that defense is good enough and that game's at home I just and Cam Newton's a good enough quarterback that I think they could get it done. I mean, they went like you said, like we mentioned earlier, they went into Seattle and won last week. Obviously, it's not considered as big of an accomplishment these days cuz Seattle seems to be cracking a little bit. They're finally showing some cracks, but uh I do think Carolina is still the better team of the two and that game at home and everything. I I just feel like Carolina could be or should come out on top again in that one.
1: Yeah, that would certainly be a, a, another defining win for a team that's off to one of the better starts in the league. Let's finish up with the tight end position. You know, same old, same old at the top. Rob Gronkowski, 8,100, 2,000 more now than the number two tight end. Greg Olson, as this continues to be somewhat comical. Um, you know, a lot of depth at the top, I think, you know, from the tight end position. It looked like it was kind of, kind of, be Gronk, um, Jimmy Graham, and then everyone else. Graham's obviously fallen back a little bit. Gronkowski's stock has been been about where we thought it would be. He's had a few down weeks, but some other big weeks to kind of make up for that. Greg Olson, probably been the second best tight end overall, but then you got a guy like Gary Barnage who came out of nowhere. He's the fourth highest priced tight end at forty nine hundred. Uh how do you like him this week going up against St. Louis in Saint Louis?
2: I mean, it's a tough game there. Uh I the Cleveland offense has been really not has been really struggling recently, but uh Gary Barnage still manages to Reach the end zone on a weekly basis somehow, and he seems to be like the big red zone target. They may not get into the red zone. I mean, they have a lot of smaller receivers, so it makes sense that in the in the red zone they go towards the big guys at tight end, and he seems to be the beneficiary of that in general. So, I mean, I could see that if they get into the end zone, it's just a question of how many times they will. That Rams defense is pretty good, so it might be uh it might be a, a struggle for that offense to to score touchdowns in that game, but they also I could see them getting behind and needing to pass the ball. And if that's the case, I, I mean, I could see Barnage getting in the end zone once again. And, I mean, at that price tag, it is tough. It's tough to trust him. He only had three catches last game, but two of them were for touchdowns. And before that, he had like eight eight catches against Baltimore, six against San Diego, and six against Oakland. He's he's racking up yards. He's He's a guy that nobody wants to trust, but it's a guy that continues to produce despite... All of his critics.
1: Right. Eric Ebron is one guy I want to finish up with. Um, He's a guy that I drafted in a couple leagues. I thought he was a high upside guy. Kind of seemed to supplant Brandon Pettigrew as the number one tight end. And that surely seemed to manifest itself through the first few weeks of the season. 53 yards and a touchdown in week one. 10 targets. 43 yards and another touchdown in week two. 61 yards, which is a season high in Week Three. He didn't reach the end zone, and then he got knocked out of that Week Four game against Seattle pretty early. So he's basically played three and a quarter games, and he has 15 catches for 179 yards. So a guy who was off to one of the better starts seems likely to play uh, this week after missing the last two weeks. He's priced down at three thousand, so just 500 above the salary floor for that position. Is he a guy you're willing to trust, or maybe wait a week or two until we know for sure that he's back to 100 percent? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think Eric Ebron's a
2: pretty good. Uh, target he's a guy that's that they're gonna go with he's the guy probably under Calvin Johnson that they would go as this I would say the second best pass catching weapon there I mean they do have Golden Tate so obviously you'd think he'd be there but Ebron seemed to be taking more of the role as the second target in that offense and I think uh, I could see that he's a guy coming off injury yes but uh, assuming he's healthy enough I could see him being a big part of that offense once again and the Vikings defense has had some issues covering they're not great against the tight uh, against tight ends in general so it's a, another position where i could see the uh, i could see Ebron getting in the end zone i could see him having deal, especially at that $3000 price tag that's
1: very cheap and i think if you load up maybe at other positions and yes. you're you're looking for a cheap option and i think he has the highest upside i guess of anybody in that price range
2: yeah i would agree with that i mean the other guys in that price range uh, I just don't see them having as much of an upside to that. I mean, I could see maybe Colby Fleener being similar in price, but uh, I mean, they're both 3000 so I could see both of them having good weeks. But I find on that, on that price tag, each of those guys probably be decent options at 3000 if you're not going to pay up at the tight end position. I mean, there's some guys at the top, but they have some questionable matchups like Gronkowski. The the Jets are very good against tight ends. There's some guy. I mean, obviously Gronkowski needs targets, but there, if, you're, if you're wanting to find a cheaper guy and, and this might be the week to do that, I mean there are some the guys at the top tend to have dec, uh, decent matchups or, or sorry, difficult matchups to go against, so it might be a little more difficult for them to rack up the points this week. And if that's the case, it might be worth looking down at a cheaper option this week and stacking up at other positions where the, the matchups are a little more
1: favorable. All right, Chris, good stuff. Good luck to you in your daily contest this weekend. Good luck to all of our listeners in daily leagues and season-long leagues, whatever you might have going on. In Week Seven of the NFL, we will be back next Friday to break down all of our value plays heading into the weekend. The RotoWire DFS podcast can be found at rotowire.com/podcast. That's where you can find all of our podcasts: NBA, MLB, MMA, whatever. Basically, any podcast that you're looking for related to fantasy sports, you can find it there. Please rate and review. If you have a chance, you can download directly from the RotoWire website. You can download the MP3s, or you can stream uh, whichever way you prefer. Thanks for listening, and again, good luck to everyone in week seven.
0: They're gonna kill the love of my life if I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday, our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me, then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins.
2: All this trouble, all this pain, for love.
0: Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13.